All right, everybody, let's go ahead and pray as we get started. And we're going to make our way into this. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, I need you so bad. And we need you so bad. And we pray that today that you would speak to our hearts. God, I ask that, that you would come and fill this time with your presence. That you would do just amazing things through your word. And so God, please have your way in this time. That we could clearly hear from you. And that we could be ministered to by you. So God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an amazing privilege it is to be up here. It's always overwhelming. But the cool thing is, is that God wants to speak to all of our hearts. He wants to speak something new to us tonight. And not new just because we are supposed to have the warm and fuzzies and the tingles and have a new emotional experience every Wednesday night. But new because, I don't know about you guys, but I need him today. I need Jesus today. And he wants to speak today. There's that beautiful parable that's just saying, like, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. He has something fresh to fill because we're, a, we're kind of a new person every day. It says being renewed daily. And so we need that freshness today. So God wants to speak. I'm confident of that. And it's just a matter of we're willing to listen to him. So when we start off in Ephesians, why on earth are we going through Ephesians? And that's probably the question in your brain. Do you guys remember last week? Do you remember uh, saying like, you know, great is Lord God Almighty. Great is the Lord God Almighty for a full minute. Felt like a year in it. It was amazing. Do you remember where they were when when the the people were chanting that about Diana of of the who? Was that? Ephesus. Right. Awesome. So Ephesus. All right, you guys. So the city was Ephesus. The big old drama that we had last week was in Ephesus. Remember that huge temple to Diana? The place which was just kind of known for, for worshiping the goddess of pleasure, right? Where was that again? Ephesus, right? Do you guys remember um, last week we were talking about just how it was a port city, a major city, a major hub of community? Do you remember where that was? That was Ephesus, okay? Do you know where one of the major hubs for like missionary sending in the early church was? It was also Ephesus. It was amazing. So what, what a blessing it is. And I was reading over, and I was reading some of the, the correlations of, of Ephesus, and, and I, was, I was looking at what this city was. It was huge, incredibly metropolitan. It had massive buildings, amazing architecture. It was really sound. I mean, they were, they were the hub for most things, yeah? And I started to think, we live in a place very, very similar. That is why this relates to us. Because we live in a place where there are so many cultures that are colliding together that it's really hard for any one of them to maintain the original of what they were. You know what I mean? So you, you meet people, and it was the weirdest thing for me coming over here from America because we're kind of a little bubble over there, and we have our own things, and we think it's normal. But really, when you come to England, and London especially, it's a really special thing because you're able to see somebody that looks different than you would think speaking with a British accent was the weirdest thing for me. I guarantee you, when I came over here, I, was, I would see people and judging on the color of their skin or whatever it was, I would expect to hear a specific sound. And it was like this beautiful, lovely British accent. And, and so uh, it was such an amazing experience for me because 
everything was like changing and my, all of my boxes got destroyed. All of the things, the ways that I classified people got destroyed. Now, just as in that happens in a good way with culture, it can also happen in a, in, in a way that people can look down upon because they say, well, I'm losing my heritage. I'm no longer speaking the language of my people. I'm no longer cooking the food like I used to anymore. You know, the, the, the Aki now has a bunch of like British fare in it as well, you know. Uh, they're, they're using seasoning from other things in, in, in their food and, and everything starts to become like something else. Now that is, is a good thing because I, I, I really enjoy that. But when it comes to the truth of God's word, that's a really scary place to be, isn't it? Because when you're, when you're in, in a place where all the cultures are merging, sometimes people, what people associate with the truth of God can be cultural. And sometimes, and they won't change those things, the cultural things, but the word of God, they'll compromise that. And that's the scary thing. So you have this oneness thing, this like, oh, well, we're all one, right? Oh, we're all really going to the, the top of the same mountain, as I've heard it put. And when we get there, we'll realize that we're really all climbing the same hill. You know, and that sounds really nice and fuzzy on a Hallmark card. But in reality, there, there are laws that govern our universe. There are things that are right and wrong. There are truths. So we all know that there are truths. And if, if my truth contradicts your truth, they can't both be true. And so that's what we as believers, as Christians, really come to seek out as we study the Word of God. The truth. The Word of God. It became flesh. The Word of God became flesh and it dwelled among us. And that Word of God was Jesus Christ. Came to shed light into the world. And Ephesus was a place devoid of light. Because everything was so mixed and so muddied and so muddled around that there was a lack of light. Now the beautiful thing is, is the aspects of this whole like kind of merging of cultures. The things that I love about it are, I think, the things that are biblically right. And as we're reading today, we're going to see Paul really does focus the Ephesians on, okay, this is what you think and this is what you like. But let's bring it over to the Word. And let me show you how everything can be brought together in a biblical way. Londoners, we're going to look at the Word of God tonight. And the great thing is, is I don't have to come up with this on my own. I can read through this book with you and that God can speak to our hearts. But He wants to show us tonight how everything is brought together in a healthy way through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, are you guys there in Ephesians yet? Do you have some nods? I get some nods. That's really nice. Um, and I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers, actually, to read off the text. Because since we were in Ephesus, when Pastor Tony was leaving, he asked David and I if we could um, teach through the entire book of Ephesus. So we're probably not going to cover all of the text, like expositionally, but we want to at least read through it all. And then we get to pick our favorite chunks and teach through that bit. So um, I need four volunteers to come up and read the text. Morris, come on up here. Just make a line behind this uh, microphone that keeps falling over. Make a line behind here. Anybody else? Let's see. Let's get three more people. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. 
No, it's okay, Mars. You'll do great. All right, guys. So let's go ahead. Open in your Bibles to the book of Ephesus. We're going to go through chapter 1 and chapter 2. So, Marcia, just take like the first half of the chapter, and we'll read all the way through to the end of chapter 2. All right, you guys? So let's go ahead, Marcia, take the first half, and we'll, we'll go for so it. Read up to like the, the half, like, well, let's see here. 11, verse 11 of, of chapter 1. <laughs> Sorry. Paul an apostle, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, According to, riches of, according to the riches of his grace, which he made us to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made us known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. But in the dispensation, dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Brilliant. Thank you, Mars. So you guys see already, <clears throat> do you see this kind of, this oneness, this unity thing starting to come out? Um, you look right there, that what we just ended up with, it says that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth in him. So he's already making a lot of references to, to this, and there's a, f- there's a few more. So if you want to carry on and read through the end of the chapter, that'd be great. In him... Also, we have obtained an, inherit, an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and domination and every name that is named not only in this age but also in which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him 
to be head over all things to the church, which is his body and fullness of him who fills all in all. Beautiful. Thanks, Irena. All in all. Him who fills all in all. I love that. Come on up, sis. Read the next 11-ish as well. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sun, sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Thank you. Mars, close us off. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, but at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of the separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near, for through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having, built, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Thank you, Mars. You did awesome. Thanks, guys. That was fantastic. Okay. So, here we go. Ephesians. We're going to get through an entire chapter tonight, so that's ambitious, but what God wants to do is to speak to our hearts, ah, and not just get through text. He wants to speak to our hearts, words straight from him into us. Okay, chapter two starts off, and it gives us this beautiful rundown. It's the biggest, biggest, and I think one of the most effective self-esteem um, builders in scripture. Uh, it gives us who we are. It writes out who we are, almost like a 
description. So description of Landon. It starts off at the very beginning, and it, in the first couple of verses of chapter 2, it tells us, this is what you are. You don't write this one in a Hallmark card, okay? So what it says is, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, He made, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, so first of all, we were dead in our disobedience. Okay, we're going to lay these things out. There's about five different points of what we were or what we are before Christ. The next one, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. So pretty much then, how would you guys put that? Like almost trained in the ways of popular culture or walked as if as everybody else walked, you know, walked in the same thing. The next thing, though, it says is that um, when we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. All right, so we were pretty much, uh, we weren't controlled by the power of God in that verse, were we? We're controlled by the power of the air. All right, so right now we've got that we're dead in disobedience. We're trained in the ways of, of just the worldly culture, and we're controlled by the, the, the enemy, pretty much, walking in the power of the air, from the prince of the power of the air. The next one, it says, The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So it lists out right here. Just think about it. Like, it lists out dead. We were dead. We were trained by the world. We were controlled by the enemy. We were, um, we conducted ourselves by just getting what we wanted. And we were pretty much, we knew that we were going to be punished. The word there, it says, like, child of, of wrath. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but this is definitely the story of my life before Jesus. Looking for my own. Look out for number one. They always say, look out for number one. Who's that number one And that they're talking about? It's not God. It's yourself, right? So they're looking out for number one, dead in disobedience. Man, those times when I just, I know full well what I need to do. And I just choose the thing that will kill me. The thing that I know that will kill that relationship, you know? The thing that we know that will kill that relationship with God or with people around us, right? Those things that, that are just death to us. And that's the thing that we can so often choose like before God and the power of God comes into our lives. And that's, that's who we were. Man, I was born that way. We're controlled by an enemy culture, right? So I was just controlled by, by the enemy. That's, that sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? That's what the Bible says. Like, that's what we were controlled by. We weren't controlled by God. And, and when I think about it, when I really look, look to it, if I was controlled by God, I wouldn't be like that. So that's definitely not who I was controlled by. The next one, it says that we conducted ourselves just to get whatever we wanted. Looking out for number one. And lastly, a child of punishment and destined for punishment. Ouch. That's a little harsh, isn't it? Okay, so I think, for me, one of the, the reasons that Paul is so stinking harsh is because in London, do we hear that often? Do we hear that taught in a way that's, that's not just condemning, but a way that's coming from a heart of love? We don't really. I mean, I, I, hear, I hear it sometimes, and I'm grateful when I do. And I just have to trust sometimes that they really are explaining the gospel of God's forgiveness as well. But I don't often hear truth like that. And I think it's because we live in a place like Ephesus, 
where the truths are muddled and where we can kind of, oh, we're all just going up the same hill. But when we lay it out like that, man, it's really amazing though because whenever you, you see that light flash on in your car, you guys have cars, the check engine light? You ever see that? Yeah, flashes on. You know something is wrong. And it's not bad to know that something is wrong because it means you gotta get it fixed, right? And if there was not a single like engine car repair person in the world, mechanic, that's the word, mechanic. If there wasn't a single mechanic in the world, that would be a big bummer. When that car light flashed on, you'd be like, oh no, I gotta get a new car. You know, that, that would be the end of it. It'd be the end of the story. If our bodies couldn't heal, right? Or if, we, if when we felt pain, it was just the end of it, we couldn't heal ourselves, right? If, if, if that was the it, when you start bleeding, you're just like, oh man, I'm gonna just give you a hug goodbye now. Because that would be the end of the story. So there's these signs, though, that God has built into us and that we have been, in turn, built into our electronics, the little flashing red light at the, when your iPod's about to go off, you know, those things. We've built them in. The signs are not bad. They're just signs that point to a greater problem that can be fixed, right? So that's the cool thing. When we start off here, um, I just want to encourage you guys, if you have friends that, that don't know Jesus yet, or if you have friends that just are, are really floundering, like when they have those signs, those red lights, those check engine lights, just be like, you know, you need to check your engine. You know, what's, what are you running on? What, are you, what fuel are you running on? Um, are you bleeding? Okay, well, there's a healer. You know, those type of things. Like, as believers, we really do know, like, we're, we're at a point of man. I can't fix me. I can't make my skin stop bleeding. I can't fix my car, sadly. I'm not one of those type of people. But I know who can. And that's the, that's the really important thing for us as believers, is we, don't, we can't do it all, but we know who can. And it's powerful when you, when you look at um, the early disciples in the book of Acts. It's so cool because, and Pastor Tony talks about it a lot, but he just, it's so amazing because they always bring these like really hard, down and out people that are just like needing something. They're needing something and they just don't even know what to do. And they go, okay, well, if I can get him to Jesus, he can fix him. If I can get him to Jesus, he can fix him. And I felt like when the disciples weren't doing that, they were pushing people away from Jesus. So if we have one of two options, Either push people away from Jesus or bring people to Jesus. Let's pick that one. Just bring people to Jesus. And if tonight, if, if you don't really know if you've ever met Jesus before, just go to Jesus. I know he can fix that. I know personally he can fix fill in the blank, whatever that is. Make us complete. In verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together. Together. How many times has that been mentioned now? So many. Man, so it made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, I wish I could dig into all of this text, but we're doing an overview tonight, and we're going to pull some stuff out. All right, can I flash picture number one here? Anyone know what this is? I didn't until I saw it. It's close. It's the right, the right city. 
It's not the Louvre. It is um, the Opera House. The Opera House in Paris. Okay, so this is the Opera House in Paris. Very pretty. Um, very dainty and things. Um, the gold's up there. That's actually gold. They just like did gold leaf on it recently, which is really cool. Um, it was, it's made out of just about, I think, every rock you could possibly make. There's like marble everywhere and stuff like that. So it's, it's very, very nice, very pretty. Um, Rachel and I were just there and we snapped this picture. And, um, and so as, as we were there, the guy, we had a tour guide that was a local Parisian. And he said that um, in the time when, when you know, this emperor was there and he was wanting to make Paris just the place everybody would want to go to. So he decided to, let's say this is actually good. This is like the opera house right here. And the, the river's down there, right? And there's all these little houses, kind of like the small streets in London. You know how close the houses get here? Okay, and pretty much he goes and he says, um, yeah, about that wide. We're going to tear all of this out. <laughs> and he just tore it all out. It was all neighborhoods and stuff. Just tore it out. And then he built the most impressive like street grand entry from the river to this beautiful thing. So this building and this whole strip was, was hired out, and there was some sort of competition, I guess. And he put out this competition to the architects, and he said, whoever can design the most amazing and big and grandiose buildings, then we're going to build them, and we're going to make ourselves look really awesome. And so this guy won with this achievement right here. It's very pretty to look at. It's great to snap pictures of and stuff. I was impressed. So the, the, the reason was, though, the reason he did that was they were trying to show that France was incredible. And they were trying to show that they had the money and the power and the ability to pull off something like this. That was what he wanted to characterize his rule by and his reign by was that, you know, the ability to make something kind of wimpy and turn it into uh, this thing. Okay. Thanks, Charlene. So with that in mind, look at this. We have the king of the world. God himself, almighty God. He decides to show what he is going to characterize himself by. He's going to show to everybody what kind of ruler he is. Okay, this previous ruler, um, he was trying to give himself an impression, a name among the nations. Now God is doing the same in this moment, through your lives, through our lives. But we look through this bit right here, we see that God really is rich. He's not rich in gold. He's not rich in marble. He's not rich in architecture. Well, he made and designed all of the things necessary for that, right? Granted, he's not rich in those things. What is he, right here, right down, that he wants to characterize himself by? Can you find it? Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. What an amazing God. He didn't want to just show off all of his gold. <laughs> he wanted to show off his mercy. If God built an opera house, it would be made of mercy. But look at, look at even further. He says he's rich in mercy. And then it goes down a little bit further. And in verse 6, it says that he might, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his what? Grace. In his kindness toward who? Us. In Christ Jesus. Now, that's the type of king that I want over my country. 
that's the type of king that I want over my life. Somebody that doesn't necessarily want to just show off all the things that he has, but to show off and demonstrate his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness toward me in Christ Jesus. Similarly, you guys, how much more we're to just love and show kindness to the people around us. I mean, if, if God has shown us that much love, that much mercy, and this is the thing that he wants to be known by and wants to set himself up as, that, our lives as well, you know? Um, I just think about sometimes the things that I would want to, to people to remember about me and how stupid it's been. I Man, in fifth grade, it was Pokemon cards. Do you guys remember that? That stupid phase? I'm, I'm so sorry it made it over here too, but oh my gosh, Pokemon cards and then the Digi, there was not Digi something and then there was all kinds of weird, horrible things and, um, and that was the thing. I remember fifth grade. I think that's primary school for you guys, but fifth grade, it was the thing to have your Pokemon cards and I remember trying to, I didn't even like them. I thought they were stupid, but I wanted them because people thought they were cool and so I wanted to be able to show that I could do it and then it was football cards and I'm not a sports person at all and so I went and got football cards just because, you know, I could. Someone gave them to me, I think and so I put them in a book and, oh man, I didn't even care. I didn't even know what positions they, they were playing. I just had them in a book and um, the thing is, we put ourselves out there. We try to, you know, to give off these things that make people look at us. But really and honestly, God has set us up to be just objects of his love and his grace and his mercy. And if we were to set each other up like that, if, if every time I saw a Christian or believer or, or anybody really and just thought, okay, now's my chance to put a little postcard of where I came from, that, that's my chance. Instead of that gold stuff that they plaster on top of the building, we get to plaster on mercy and grace and love. We think about how that would change everything, you guys, if we just lived it. Think about it. You know, those people at work, those people, your, you know, your family. Oh, my goodness. You know, just those different things. How that would change everything. If what, we, what our main goal was was to just demonstrate where we came from. That's amazing. Now, Ephesus was the type of place that was... Um, it's like when you say, I'm a Londoner, there's no amount of, oh, yeah, I'm from London. I mean, unless you just really don't like London. But it's, it's for the most part, it's got a good reputation. People are like, oh, you're from London. They'll kind of look at you different. They try to, you know, bust out their most current clothing when, they're, when you come around because they think that you're all trendy and stuff. But I was from Bakersfield growing up, which it's about as it sounds. It's a Bakersfield, right? So it's from Bakersfield. It's in the middle of California. And I, okay, get this, two and a half hours from everything, right? Two hours from the beach, two hours from the desert, two hours from the mountains, two hours from Los Angeles, but we were nowhere. <laughs> we were in the, we, we really didn't have anything to claim of our own, but we had, we were two hours from everything awesome. And, uh, and so, I mean, people drove faster through that place. But the, the reason I say that is because it's the type of place that I had to almost make excuses when I would explain where I was from. I'm from Bakersfield. It's a really great place. The people are amazing. Like, I'd have to say things like that or, or, or oh, yeah, I know. You drive faster when you go through Bakersfield. Yeah. Like, I'd have to make excuses. And Pastor Tony will still back on Bakersfield to this very day because he was from the beach and everybody wanted to be from there. So um, that being the case, guys, like, I had to kind of excuse away where, where I was from. But as Christians, man, we got this amazing, amazing God. And he has set up 
not just each other, but you as a real testimony, as a real, like this postcard, this snapshot of the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus said is what? The hand is here? Okay, what? So that means that he wants to use you as that right now, like today with your family members, with everybody. He wants to use you and to show, what is it again? His rich in mercy, his exceeding riches, his grace and his kindness. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Just real quickly, this verse is so key because we are saved by grace, not by works, is a gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I've heard it described as if there was a book about your life and it had your name on the, the spine right there. It said Marcia, either one of you, Marcia, right? And it had all of the things that you've ever done in there. That would be, for me, that would be horrible. And what happens when you receive Jesus Christ is the works of Jesus Christ are placed with your name on it. It's, it's by grace. It's not by our works. It's by his work that was complete, perfect life, lived, died the death I deserved and rose again to prove power over it. And it's that belief and that faith and that's the saving thing, not our works. And as it says here in this text, it's, it's not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are not our workmanship, but whose? His workmanship. Praise God. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're saved, get walking. It's time for us to just get walking and to be that representative of Jesus like he's called us to be. Okay, so therefore, uh, verse 11, therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in fleshly hands, that at, uh, that, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, the temple. Of, the temple. Do you guys know what the temple's like? A little bit? In Israel, in Jerusalem, there's this temple. It was, at least. And there was, on the outside, there was um, a place. Now, not everybody could go into the temple. This was like a church that anybody can come. All are welcome to come pray. Uh-uh. If you went into the, the, like the main part or like the really amazing part of that temple, you would have been killed. Um, it was, you, won't, you don't go in there. You just don't do that. So this it was very different. Now there was, um, let's try to set it out like this room. Okay, so yeah, we'll do the other way. So out here, where am I? I'm right now, I am in the outer courts, okay? So if I'm foreign and I am from somewhere else, I'm coming into, I want, I'm, a, I'm a Jew and I want to go and I want to worship God, but Sorry, let me rephrase that. I believe in God, and I've been adopted into Judaism, but I'm not a Jew from somewhere else. So I come to Israel. I come to Jerusalem. I'm here. I've showed up. I have my goat or something like that, my sheep. And I've brought it with me, and I've named him, and I'm bringing him to the priest. And I will come to the front part here in Jerusalem, and they will say, wait, hold up. You need to get pretty, and you need to go wash and clean and all that. So then I go wash, I clean, I you know change my garments, put on my holy clothes, and then I go into the outer. So now I am in this these outer courts area. Okay, now there is I can go to about here, 
And then I start feeling really left out because at this point there is another wall. It's like a dividing wall. And this is what's going to divide me from Yahshua over here. You know, he is from Israel and he gets to go past this cool little wall. And I want to go past the wall, but my goat can't get go past the wall, but I can't. Okay. So my sacrifice will be passed off to the priest, right? Priest will take it back. And then there's this area, right? And then after that, there's, a woman, there's a, an area for the women, and then there's the area for the men. And then after that, there is the actual temple. Okay, so that's back there. That starts over there by you guys. And, um, and that's the temple is where the priests, all of the priests could go. Only the priests, though. Watch out. Only the priests could go there. Okay, so that's a little unfair. So I'm really far away now because all the action is going on in there, and I'm out here now. So track with me here way out here they're over there being awesome and i'm stuck but then past her right back probably where the pillar is there would have been this place called the holy of holies okay now the, the one before it was the holy place but the one past that was the holy super super holy awesome cool place that's was back there and i really couldn't go there and that was the place that i would have been killed actually i would have been killed just for there so could you imagine so um but that, that was what it was like. This, this was what it was like. Think about it. Think about it. Have you ever gone? I mean, sometimes I go to churches and I almost feel like I can't go there because I'm not dressed nice enough or something like that. But that is nothing in comparison to this. Think about it. I mean, really, we got it good now. We have it so good because of this amazing thing here. Now, if I was a Gentile, I would have been called the uncircumcision, you know? Um, if I had been, yeah, it was because of something of me. It was just the way I was born, you know, my, my, and I would have been classed as something else. Second class, right? Okay. Jesus changed all of that. And that's what is just absolutely incredible is Jesus changed all of that because it says here in verse 12 that we used to be aliens, right? So we were the foreigners, but now we've been brought in. That's amazing. Have you guys ever felt as if you were outside in relationship with, in your relationship with God? <clears throat> I guarantee you, there's a point where we all have been on the outside in our relationship with God. We didn't we didn't have that ability to go in and have that sweet time with Him. We didn't have that. It was based on our works. We were passing off our works, our goat. That was it. That was our works, man. I did it. Got the best goat I could find. But we didn't have that relationship. And that is what changed everything. Because, you guys remember, when Jesus died on the cross, there's something really profound that happened. The veil. There was a veil that was between, that was in the temple, in between the temple, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And there was a veil. It was thick, I tell you what, thick. And it was woven and it was separating one place from the other. Okay, so separating these two places is this veil. Separating me from my God is a veil, right? Quite a few at this point. And so, <clears throat> but when Jesus died, it was ripped from top to bottom. Doesn't it say how? It just says that it was. It was ripped from top to bottom. How amazing is that? As if no one, no man could go there and just like, eh, 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 from the bottom to the top. No way. He couldn't even do that if he tried. But God from, ripped that thing in half. 
showing us they're coming out. They're coming out to you. They're coming out to you now. And then check this out. Verse 14, as we move our way down the text, well, 13 says, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Woo! Anybody else getting chills? Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That's this wall right here. It's gone now. I've got out of the way, and I can go into that direct relationship with God now. And the beautiful thing is, is not only the middle wall of separation is gone, but the veil is torn. So now there is absolutely nothing standing in the way between me and a relationship with my Creator. And it's, there's a straight shot there. And I think about this, and I was just, I was, earlier when I was talking to Rachel, I was like, it's so amazing, because when we send, we, we broke we put a veil in between us and the Lord. You know, when we sin, we just walls up, right? We hardened ourselves. When you go and read in Genesis, it, the punishments or the things that were a direct result of the fall, God never said, leave my presence. When you read it, I challenge you to read through it because he never says, get away from my face. But we did. Mankind did because we knew what we did. And I know when I've sinned, man, I, I don't want, if I've sinned against, you know, Jeffrey or someone, like, I don't really want to hang out with them that much after that, you know what I mean? So when we do those things against God, we fight from Him, and we've built the walls. And I almost was thinking about it today and was just thinking, maybe, I'm not saying this is like doctrine, but maybe what God did is He put those walls there to show us that that's what we've done to Him, that we've boxed Him in. And when Jesus died, he's like, I am coming out for you. I am coming out for you. Like, let me into your life now. And I, that is exactly what Jesus has done to my life. He's like, I'm coming into yours, Landon. And I've just got to let him, you know. The presence of God is available today into your life. And he wants to come and to be with us. In Revelation, it says, I stand at your door and I knock. And I'm asking that you open. Because if you open, I will come in and we're going to have a beautiful meal together. And I love food. <laughs> and I love having food with friends. People that I... You guys have that? With people that you love. They're just... They're just... Ah, and you sit and you have food together. And it's so amazing. And God says that to us. I'm knocking, and I want to come in. I've left my house, and I'm coming to yours. Let me in now. And he's asking each of us that today. How beautiful that the God of the universe did this for us. Jesus didn't come to tear down the law. He came to fulfill it and to complete that law and to complete us in the process. Praise God for that. <laughs> Verse 15 says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Okay, big words. Come on, please. Abolished. Make it unemployed. That's what he did to it. He made enmity, which is hatred or being an enemy. He made it unemployed. So hatred from God to me is now unemployed. 
If I accept what, what Jesus did, it's unemployed. He's out at the job center looking for a job because he, does, he just can't bring those things up anymore. And I'm so grateful for that. Charlene, flash up that next slide if you would. Okay, this here. Can't really see it that well. I lightened it up a bunch. But this is another picture from our trip. Um, it's, it's in the middle of the jewelry district in Paris. And um, thank you. And so check this out. You can, you can see there's a big spiral, and it, it, it kind of spirals up, and it tells a story. It reminds me of Egyptian, those Egyptian pillars, right? So you see this, this beautiful column there, and it's, it's kind of a patina. That's when it gets old. I think that's the word for it. Turning beautiful colors. But guess what this is made out of? Just take a guess. What's that? Copper or brass. Yeah, I think it's actually made out of iron. From British cannons. Okay, so some war in the past at some point. You know, England and France were fighting each other. And at some point, the guy's like, oh, I'm going to take your cannon. And so he takes the cannon, I think four of them, and they take the cannon back to France, and they make this. And I just, I laughed, and I thought it was like the most brilliant thing ever. And then I heard what we did, because you guys know the lions at Trafalgar Square? French cannons. (laughs) Made out of French cannons. I, had, I was amazed by that. So um, <laughs> this just made me laugh so hard. Thank you, Francis. You can turn the lights back on. Okay, so um, the, the, thing, the reason that I bring all that up is because the rest of our verses are that tower. The rest of the verses in this text here talk about... Let, let, me, let me... Okay, that tower was a symbol of the weapons and the power of England. This was the ability to advance and to come forward. This was the ability for England to, to kill people and to take out buildings that, that you know, were far away. This was England's weapon. This was their power. This was their hatred, their enmity, right? Okay, so it was all of that. And then France took the cannons and made the tower out of it as kind of a big like you know slap in the face and ha 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 we have it now and that is almost exactly what we read here listen to this and see if you can pick this up he's abolished in his flesh the enmity so that the law of commandments contained ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit. Now therefore, you're no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Okay. Do you guys kind of see that? Let, Let me bring it out a little bit more. Remember our description, our really self-affirming description at the beginning of this chapter? What were we? Death. Dead in disobedience. We're trained in the ways of, of the world, and we're controlled by the enemy, and we are conducted, and we get whatever we want, and you know all of those things, right? Remember those things? The canons, right? Enemies of God. We were once enemies of God. Now we have been taken, claimed by our God. We've been taken... And it says there's two different ones, but they've been made one. There's a lot of us in this room who believe in Jesus. And we've been made one now by Jesus. We're no longer enemies. We're melted. Those cannons, there's four different ones. Those four cannons were taken. They were melted down. They were purified, right? They were purified with heat, melted down, a whole new shape, whole new identity. 
a whole new function, a whole new look, a whole new change, everything, all new, all new, all new. And that's what God has done with us. We are this amazing tower, this, as it says here, that we are being built, members of the household of God. Let's keep reading. Having been, verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 21, in whom the whole building, ding, 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 being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, after being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Check that out, you guys. We all, these weird little, you know, God-hating people, we've been brought to death. Our old identity is gone at Jesus Christ receiving us. He's made us new creations. We're being made one, melted, brought together. It's taking this structure. And what's the purpose now of this structure? It's now we're being built together for what? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Remember? God tore down that middle wall. He's like, I'm coming out and I'm coming to yours. And what is yours? It's this, it's our church, not just this room. It's the body of Christ. Those that have been saved, redeemed, made new by Jesus Christ. The body of Christ being melted together, right? Like that iron just melted, restructured, reshaped. Do we have a new function now? Do we, have, do we look any different? Do we have a new identity? Do we have a new shape? It's amazing. Because God is building a tower out of us. He's building this building out of us that he wants to just, he doesn't just want to show us some temporary victory, some some silly war somewhere. He wants to show the biggest victory ever through you, through us, because he's coming out and going in, coming into ours, coming into our home. The last point that I I think is is really pretty pointed is, um, is just the fact that, I mean, Rachel and I aren't citizens here. We don't. We, okay, we have our visas, but really, at any second, they could say, "All right, Americans just need to go," <laughs> and we have to be on a plane. We have no right to argue. You know, we, we. I mean, if we go to, it's really, it's really actually very humbling because in California, um, sadly, a lot of the locals there, um, we have this kind of stereotype or this, you know, oh well, the people from Mexico, like they just they've come over here and. You know, they, they use up our taxpaying dollars and all of these things. And it's really negative. But now I'm the immigrant. And I'm really grateful for that because it's changed my perspective completely, you guys. Like, I'm an immigrant. Like, I, I've, I've come in and I'm a migrant worker, as it says on my visa. <laughs> I'm not picking potatoes like they might in California. But, I, you know, we're harvesting still, right? So uh, it's, just, it's just it's a blessing, though, because we are not citizens here. We're temporary. Right? And, and you guys can say that too. It's not just us. Like, in, in every regards, Rachel and I, we're, we're citizens of somewhere else. And so are you. And so you're not permanent here. But when we come into Christ, we have this weird identity crisis. You're like, oh yeah, where do I belong now? Now I'm part of this new family, this weird, you know, churchy, filled with the spirit thing that's kind of, it's unified, but it's still coming together. I don't really get it. And, and now that we're part of that, though, where is our citizenship? It's in heaven, as it says in Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that, that is so key because now we're no longer strangers or foreigners in any land, right? We have, we have citizenship, and it's somewhere really important. And we're citizens of heaven with saints and members of the household of God.
It's saying, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. I want to make it very clear that it's not saying that we are now being built on the apostles and the prophets. But right here, because in in 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says that, um, it, it pretty much says that Jesus Christ is the foundation. There is no other foundation on which anything can be built besides on that Jesus, this rock that God has laid out for his grace and his mercy. But in regards to that, the encouragement that I got from it was that while we aren't like built, our salvation's not built on these people, these people had a huge part in bringing Jesus to us. You know, the Spirit of God moved them and they were obedient. And I tell you what, Ephesus, it was the place that Christians were sent out of. And, and it was really interesting because I was reading there, um, Natalie, I was reading and it said that people got saved in Ephesus and then they would go back to their home countries. And that's where a lot of the missions work would take place was through that. That's you, girl. So grateful. Like, the Lord is doing that in London already, you know? Like, he, he's saving people and sending them back to their home countries. And that's exactly what he's done since the beginning, isn't it? And so there's nothing new under the sun. Like, God is moving. And he did it in the past. And he probably did that and sent people here to this country now so that this country can be a hub and has been a hub in the past and is still and will be even more. I'm confident of that. And so the Lord is working. And even though Jesus Christ is this, the foundation and the structure and everything, those people were still a huge part of it. They got their names in Scripture because of it. They were, they were part of that. And you just might be the part of the foundation for the revival in Uzbekistan. You, you know, we might be the heart of the, the, the foundation that, that is just being laid for Jesus to be the cornerstone for people's lives. You'd have no idea what God wants to do through you. <laughs> and that's really exciting. Because you never know. When you are that postcard of the kingdom that you come from, just showing His grace the richness of his mercy. When, you're, when we're doing that, you have no idea what foundation you're laying for Jesus Christ to just come and to totally melt them into part of the body. So God's working. He's really working. And the last verse there, it says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And just know that when we're together, God is here. When we're alone, God is here. He's in us now. And if you've received him and let him come in, he's, he came out to you. So now let him come in. So we're going to go ahead and pray. Um, but I wanted to read, before we do, I wanted to read um, some of the verses at the very beginning. Uh, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the, pra- to the praise of His glory. But I thought it was important to point out that when we hear the gospel, we are called to believe, and upon belief we're then sealed. It's not just by nudging our, our way in, you know. There is a, definitely a point where we believe, place our faith on Jesus Christ, and um, if, that's, if that's where you're at, if you're realizing either I have already done that or I haven't, that's the place, that, that's the choice that we have tonight. And also, if you've already responded to Jesus Christ, I want to remind us again of the richness of our King. He's so amazing. 
His mercy and His grace in our lives is amazing. Secondly, I just want to want all of us to allow for His love to validate you guys because it's His love and His mercy so that, that, that there won't be these walls between us sometimes that we can build up. Because if we know we're completely loved by Him and that He's done the work in our lives, we're not going to compare or anything like that, you know? So, first of all, just a reminder of the richness of God's love and encouragement. Secondly, allow the love of God to just be that grace and that beautiful thing in our lives. And then lastly, to those of you that maybe haven't trusted in Jesus yet today, man, He's knocking and His presence is waiting. He can't wait. The Bible says that when, when we respond, like, there's a party going on in heaven. He just loves it. Absolutely loves it because it's His desire. The Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Perfect mark, bullseye, or darts, I'm rubbish at it. If I'm throwing at the dartboard, I'm usually over there, right? Or, or maybe there, or on the floor somewhere. And that's called missing the mark. If you miss the bullseye, you miss the mark. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then there's another verse in Romans, and it says, you know what? The wages of sin, the penalty of sin, the penalty of missing that mark is death. And no amount of good can outweigh that. So we still have that death to deal with. There's another verse in Romans as well that says, you know what? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Promise. It's a promise, 100%. It says that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, like we've been reading tonight, don't make me read over our list of who we were again, but in while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. That's a blessing. So just know that Christ has died so that we can have a relationship if we accept that forgiveness. Let's pray, guys. If you've never accepted Jesus, you can pray with me if you want to. If God is putting on your heart, if he is knocking and asking you to, to let him in, his presence has come out to you and is waiting God in heaven, I admit and I confess that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, that I've done wrong. And God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. God, I can't earn my salvation. Please forgive me, God. I need you. And I ask that you would just make me new, make me a new creation, make me part of this new life that you promise in your word. And God, I ask just as Jesus was raised from the dead and just as I believe that, that he lived and died and was raised, I pray that you would do the same for me, God. Bring to death that old man and just raise me to life today. God, thank you for your love and your forgiveness in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. And Lord Jesus, for the rest of us as well, God, us as a family, I pray for your love to be shown very clearly here tonight. I ask that we could function as a body that you've called us to, one, united in the Spirit, united in love, demonstrating the richness of your mercy and your kindness and your grace on our lives. So please, God, help us to, to just love as you love. 
to mirror the things that, that you show us through your word and by your spirit. And please move tonight, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.